Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Seminole Rap Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Peller, and here for another episode in our 2022 schedule preview. Of course, we're inching toward the season, not exactly in a hurry here. Still in June, but we're getting closer, I guess. Maybe, whatever. Again, no Max and John as we kind of break up the work for this week. They're working on setting up their own interviews for podcasts still to come later this summer. So you're stuck with me and a special guest again this week. Remember, this series, we're not looking at every game. It's it, Those are all written versions. They're online, TomahawkNation.com. If you're really interested in what Duquesne has going on, go ahead and check that out. Otherwise, we're looking specifically the biggest games, the rivals, that's UF, UM, you know them, the ones that come at really critical times of the year for Florida State. One of those was last week, LSU, that first big contest. We talked with Brody Miller from The Athletic. Really suggest you go back and give that one a listen if you haven't. Brody, tons of info on the team, coaching change, quarterback, Big spots to go check out if you're making the trip to New Orleans for the Labor Day weekend. Today, we're actually going to go and talk to another one of my friends from my time at LSU, but we're not talking Tigers. Uh, we're actually going to do our Louisville preview show. It's just a, a weird turn of events where my contacts end up being more LSU guys. And, and uh, today is my friend, Tyler Nunez. We worked together at the LSU student paper. We covered LSU side by side. And uh, Tyler's been a beat writer kind of all over the country. And most recently, I know he worked in the uh, Louisville Athletic Department as an SID. He's also a lifelong Duke, Duke Hoops fan. So oh, no, no you're going to like that. Yeah, no, no shortage <laughs> of ACC knowledge. Yeah, oh, I, I gotta, no. Yeah, oh, they're already no. turning off. They're done, done, done. But, yeah, you know, oh, I mean, he, God. he knows his stuff, man. Thanks, Tyler. Yeah, no problem. I'm sure Brody is probably a much greater resource 
uh, of information than I will be this week. I'm gonna do my best. Uh, L's <laughs> up, go go cards. Uh, big fan. I spent a good good amount of time in Louisville. I really like the like the area. I really like the school. I do have a degree from the university as well, uh, so I'm I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Well, there you go. See, we got we got some bona fides out there. Some bona fides yeah. from Tyler. Uh, so, I mean, really, and Tyler, I, I don't know how familiar you are with the schedule on this one, but it's really, a, uh, uh, especially for F Florida State, a, a weird one. It's mm-hmm. a Friday night kickoff, and it uh, comes after the ACC basketball, uh, ACC football, baby. Let's yeah, go. right. Yeah. So, and this one comes for L, for FSU. It's Labor, it's they play Duquesne in week zero, and it's LSU FSU on Labor Day Sunday night. The following week is a bye for Florida State. And then it's Friday night at Louisville. So I, to me, this one sets up as, um, I don't want to call a, a game three on the season a must win, but I think it's an important game for Florida State because you've got Norvell, who seems to be in this perpetual state of positivity where everyone feels mm-hmm. like the growth is coming, but it's it seems like it's make it happen or, or get off the pot year. And if you're sitting at one and one, presumably, I mean, LSU seems like a coin flip, but they have the home field advantage in that one being in New Orleans. This feels like a, a, a pretty crucial game. And, and we'll probably get to this a little later. It feels like probably the same for Satterfield over there. Um, yeah. But this program has sounds been, familiar. right, sounds very familiar. For, <laughs> for, for Louisville, it's been up and down uh, for the last few years, right? Yeah, Satterfield came in and uh, brought a lot of excitement to the program, a program that had had a lot of excitement previously, but was kind of down in the dumps after, you know, some controversy and things like that. Um, they went eight and five. They, they make it to the Music City Bowl. They beat Mississippi State. Things are looking good. Uh, and then COVID hits and things kind of uh, hit the fan pretty quickly. Uh, I think they went four and seven in 2020. Then there's a whole controversy with Satterfield flirting a little too closely with South Carolina, uh, <laughs> losing some fan trust. Uh, that's followed up by another, like, uh, like I think they went six and six before losing in, a, in another bowl game last year. So it's really, it's kind of in a weird spot. I think normally he might be in the hot seat, but I think especially with the, the way the South Carolina thing panned out and the fact that they're, that they just got a brand new athletics director over there in Louisville kind of puts them in a weird situation and kind of in a must succeed situation as well. Uh, they got Syracuse to start the season off, and they've got UCF. I'm sure uh, fans down there know a little bit about them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so I think they're, they're going to be in a similar situation against uh, Florida State, especially at home. They're going to they're they're going to want to want to win that football game for a lot of reasons. Yeah, I I uh, I'd imagine so. At both of these coaches, like you said, feel to be on that that same kind of trajectory line. And, and honestly, it, it to continue the mirroring on it, it feels like for both teams, I know Florida State, it seems we, we did the five most important players and there was no arguing on number one for Florida State. It was Jordan Travis, the quarterback who can do it all with his legs, who needs to take a step forward with the arm to make it happen. And uh, yeah, I think I just took the words yeah, out of your uh, mouth. Malik Cunningham is, is the, the straw that stirs the drink up there, right? Yeah, it feels like it's his like eighth season starting quarterback for <laughs> University of Louisville, but reminds that's me, not a bad thing. Reminds me of Nebraska he, with yeah, uh, having and, a uh, Martinez. Yeah, and Malik has always been kind of a, a polarizing figure over there. He, when he's really good, he's really good. Like he he has some games and some stat lines that kind of make you raise your eyebrows and go like, "Whoa, who is this kid?" Um, but it kind of depends on the pieces around him and how they're kind of shaping up. Uh, a, a really big sign of success for him is if the running back game can really get going and especially out in the backfield they kind of like Satterfield really likes to use running back in an Alvin Kamara kind of role 
some somebody that can catch the ball in the outfield or, or put them out in the wing, as well as somebody who can kind of throw it up the gut whenever you need to. So uh, we'll see how that goes this year. Uh, I think from a leadership perspective, it's really strong when you have a quarterback and uh, and coaching duo who've basically been together uh, for the entire you know the entirety of that coaching duration, and you're entering year four. I think that's probably uh, a plus, um, but it, it's a year where they really need big results. And a big part of that is going to be offensive success. Obviously we'll get to the defense later, but um, I think that the, the, the foundation of success for Louisville this year will definitely be, can they throw the ball Can they run the ball and they score points. And that's, that's really kind of the foundation of any Louisville, highly successful Louisville football team as it has been for the last 20 years. And, and it, looking at, I did the the written preview for Mal, for uh, I say Malik, which is basically the yeah. team, but for Louisville, and, and obviously he's he's tremendous running the ball. Um, but is there something mm-hmm. that helps? Like you mentioned, the running game is is the, having a strong running back next to him is important. Is there something in particular that he needs from that? Yeah, I mean, like I think he needs the pieces that every quarterback needs, right? You need a, a running back that can distract the defense enough so that he does. They're not just you know, bum rushing him. They need a, uh, he needs a nice little deep threat. someone that he can just kind of chuck the ball to. Uh, and because he runs the ball, he also needs good blocking. I think that uh, obviously every quarterback needs good blocking, but whenever you have a guy who's going to go out of the pocket as often as he does, your blocking probably needs to excel more than, uh, you know, a little bit of a, than a pocket passers. And so uh, I do think that they potentially have all those pieces this year. It's kind of a wait and see game. Uh, with Louisville, they kind of rely on, you know, the transfer game a little bit. And so we're, we're definitely going to see how things go. And, um, and but I think that Satterfield likes that. He did the same kind of things at Appalachian State. He's no he's no stranger to this kind of pressure. Uh, he, but he, he is going to have to pull out a big season. Yeah, I, I'll go ahead and I'll take that great bond right there. I, so in terms of Satterfield, right, you, you mentioned it, the, the flirting with South Carolina. Yeah. I, I you you also said you know it feels like a hot seat season. Obviously, he does get the benefit of of the. I, I thought it was a great point. The four years of the coach and, and quarterback together seems uh, especially rare in this this type of college football atmosphere. But mm-hmm. um, what is it that he needs to do this season to to I guess rebuild that trust with the program? Uh, he needs to win. I think, and I think that <laughs> it sounds trite and stupid and like maybe a little obvious, but. Um... Yeah, he needs to win. I think I think despite all that, I think people make a big deal of the South Carolina thing. And I mentioned it myself, obviously. And it's something to look at and keep in the back of your mind, especially as far as like fan expectations. But we're in year four now. You know, if you're yeah. in year four as a head coach and you're still kind of rounding around six and six, seven and five, four and seven, that's not what that's not what you're hired to do, especially in a program in the ACC. Um, Louisville may not have like the deepest football history of all time. Um, but you know, they have, you know, two really good quarterbacks, uh, <laughs> that just, uh, came through there not too long ago that, that made them title contenders. Uh, and as far as Satterfield, as long as Satterfield's been in there, been, been there, being a title contender hasn't even like been an option. Also keep in mind that Louisville basketball has been struggling. So fans are feeling like a little extra anxious right now. They really <laughs> want to see a winner. Um, I just saw that program, you know, they, they really rallied behind a baseball team that was really good, but, um, you know, they, 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 want to, they want to see a winner, um, and I think that football can give them that. I don't think they're going to be a national title contender this year. I think that would be kind of like foolish to, to go into the season. But if they can get out of the season with eight wins and, and, and maybe win a bowl game, I think that that's enough to, for Satterfield, Satterfield to prove, like, okay, we're moving in the right direction. Uh, obviously, that's going to be followed up with 
I, I can get another quarterback that can do what Malik just did, um, and I can I can continue the success. It'll at least buy him another year or two, I think, uh, because he really does need to prove to not only the fan base but a brand new athletics de- department, essentially, or a brand brand new athletics director that uh, he's the guy for the job. And right now, that's I mean, for just looking at resume alone, that's kind of a tricky it's a tricky proposition for him. Yeah, like I think a good argument for him to make, I guess, to the new boss is if he if he puts together that winning season, he'd be like, look, you know, we pulled it off once and 2020 just blew up everything. It cost me all my plans and, you know, give me a chance to hit a reset button and start over. Um, Before we get too off of Malik, I do want to ask if there's an area he really needs to improve this year. I, I feel like the obvious answer would just be throwing the ball or the the, the, the tropes you see with Lamar Jackson it's, it's the same way of like accuracy or towards the sideline and stuff like okay, that okay but let's not joke Lamar Jackson is a wonderfully accurate passer an MVP yes but yeah. it's the same you know the the uh how do I say it I I just go to the well and well yeah, how can yeah, I beat yeah. down the quarterback who's clearly more athletic than everyone oh he's just yeah, clearly not accurate clearly to keep the yeah. stereotypes more general exactly uh, yes I think, um <laughs> I think that like with it, it, it sounds again trite, but uh, when Malik is succeeding at best, he's not turning the ball over. Uh, when he turns the ball over, things get messy really fast. Uh, but if you can protect the ball, things are really good. Now you can say that about any quarterback ever, like from you know Zach Mettenberger to Drew Brees, yeah. like just to pull out two random Louisiana references there. But uh, <laughs> like you can like. Yeah, you can say that, but you know it's it's especially stark with Malik, and it especially was earlier uh, in his career. So if he can protect the ball, I think that you know he'll be in good shape. He's going to need help to do that. I think if he's running, you know, for his life, like uh, chicken with his head cut off in the backfield, it's going to be a lot more difficult to do. He can't do everything with his feet. He needs to be able to trust his running backs, and he also needs to be able to trust that whenever he throws the ball deep, that his uh, wide receivers can go up and get it. Um, but yeah, the the key. To success from Malik is don't turn the ball over. He's got all the he's got all the pieces of a great quarterback, especially at the college level. There's no reason he can't succeed. He just has to go out there and you know do what quarterbacks do, especially senior redshirt senior quarterbacks. Yeah, redshirt senior quarterbacks with with what feels like decades of experience. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm, yeah, no pressure to you know follow Lamar Jackson. You don't have to. I just put that pressure on his shoulders clearly. So. <laughs> So just go have an MVP season. That's all. That's it. Just win the Heisman. I don't know. He's talented enough to do it in reality, but you know, I don't. I, uh, yeah. I, I mean, it would be kind of like a Joe Burrow type, like rise to like prominence <laughs> there. If you, if you want a Heisman, I'd be shocked. Um, well, but, I was thinking uh, it's, yeah. I don't think we're in an age where like you can get an RG three, nine and three Heisman. I don't know if uh, that's. Uh, a... Maybe. I don't know. You'd have to be really good. Like, overwhelmingly good. <laughs> yeah, and you'd yeah. have to be, like... And to be fair, RG3 was, right? RG3 right. was kind of, like, this crazy guy who was throwing more touchdowns than he was in complete passes, so... Right, um, yeah, well... If he puts together a season like that, maybe we can... Yeah, he, he he pulls that together, then sure. There it is. I even put RG3 pressure on him. Great job. There you go. <laughs> well, I know he's listening to this, too, Ryan. Of course, he's plugged in Satterfield sitting there clicking through banging on the desk like hot seat what do you mean hot seat but I, uh, I, I didn't put him on the hot seat I like Satterfield he's a, I think he's a good coach and a good guy I think he was put in a tough situation obviously um he just didn't make that situation any easier for himself don't wonder. the tough situation to follow was the Petrino one um, that, yeah yeah okay all right so my own knowledge yeah okay got it. the uh obviously this team so I, I wrote like I said I wrote the preview and part of it is 
best case scenario, worst case scenario, probably what happens, like prediction type stuff, obviously three months in advance. So I don't expect it, you know, it's not expected to be nailed, but I basically said, um, whichever team doesn't turn the ball over and is capable of getting a stop or two probably ends up winning. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I know Louisville's had their issues in getting stops. Um, it seems to be their, their, their issue. And especially, you know, when you've got a dynamic quarterback, if that's really whatever you need to make your money. Yeah. Louisville doesn't seem to have a problem scoring enough points to win football games. It's just that, uh, their opponents also score enough points to win football games. (laughs) Um, yeah, you know, and I think that's uh, in the era of like modern college football, I think you're just like put at a natural disadvantage. Uh, I think finding like a really good, putting together like a really effective defense in modern college football is extraordinarily difficult when everyone's yeah. running this like crazy spread, heavy motion, like guys going everywhere. Plus, like if you like glance off of a wide receiver in the process, you're getting flagged. And so like, <laughs> it, it, it's really difficult, especially, you know, in a league like the ACC where a lot of teams are doing this, um, like, you know, it, it's tough to field a good defense. That being said, you have to go out there and do it. Clemson does it. Obviously they have the benefit of like the best recruiting class in the country every year. Yeah. Um, but you, you still have to go out there and do it. Um, we'll see if uh, Satterfield put the pieces together uh, to figure that out this year. Um, like I said, I think it's like a difficult thing to figure out. And I don't think there's any like one right answer. Um, it, it really does come down to if you don't have, you know, the talent that like a Clemson or an Alabama has on defense, you kind of got to get creative. Sometimes you yeah. kind of have to be the Miami, like, floor, you know, turnover chain type team where like, you're just kind of like forcing turnovers in wacky ways. Um, some of that's luck. And some of that is just kind of like putting yourself in position. And a lot of that is risk taking. Um, so I, you know, I, am a big advocate of being a little bit more aggressive on defense. I think that's something that Louisville probably needs to do. Um, I think if you're relying on your, you know, man on man defense, it's probably just not going to work most of the time. Yeah. I think that the right work in the Sunbelt conference, just not going to work in the ACC because these wide receivers are way too talented and they're coming in with like way too big of like a natural advantage, just on the way that the game is played right now. Um, so yeah, you're kind of going to have to be aggressive, go after the quarterback, Obviously, you have to be tempered that a little bit, but at the same time, like if you're, you want to make things happen, if you trust your offense to score when they're on the field, I don't know, go out there and make things happen and get weird, you know? Yeah, I uh, I think the I, as I've been writing these season previews, schedule preview stuff, I, I feel like every week I write like this team has an All American caliber wide receiver, whether it's mm-hmm. Wake Forest or UNC or wherever I feel like I look, Florida State isn't that team. But where I look at the rest of the conference, I'm like, yeah, yeah, try, try playing this guy man to man, and you know, <laughs> See it happens. exactly, good, good luck. And even then, I mean, I, you know, I mean, even in the NFL, defensive, uh, I guess, ability or, or performance is is almost impossible to judge year to year. It, it, and in those that scenario, you're you're keeping guys for five to six years as as units. And in this, you know, you're losing your star player probably every every year or two. I mean, it's, it's right it's not exactly easy to do. And yeah, I'm sure everyone could probably benefit from being slightly more aggressive. Yeah, Anything else is definitely like the heart, like defensive back is probably like the most difficult position. And yeah, like at least like in maybe in sports right now, because you have to be like on top of being like super, it's like extraordinarily athletic. You have to be like super heady. And then you also like on a lot of places to get lucky. Right. Like, right. A, a, like on offense, a guy could like a quarterback can just like throw a ball up. <laughs> You know, it's 10 yards short and then, you know, he gets bailed out by a pass interference call and you're just sitting there. I'm like, 
That's a, but what's the defender supposed to do? Like, it, like there's nothing you can do. And I know this is like a complaint as like long as the passing game has been around in football. But you know, it's just um, I feel like it's been exacerbated by you know the way that the game's called now. People like seeing high scoring games. I guess I, I grew up in the SEC era, era of like three <laughs> yards and a cloud of dust. So like my boomer self is you know just like ah no bad. But um, it is a lot of fun to watch guys sling it around. I loved the 2019 LSU team as much as anybody else um it's just it's but puts a lot of pressure on defensive backs because um they're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place and the guy across from you knows the play yeah he he, well yeah he knows the play and he also knows he can get away with a lot more than you can (laughs) (laughs) as long as he doesn't stick his arm all the way out and even then he might still get away with it yeah yeah it's certainly um yeah i feel like it, it takes an incredible amount of athleticism to run with someone who's also incredibly athletic and the quarterback knows exactly where to put the ball. Cause that guy's going to turn at exactly 10 yards or nine and a half yards. And it's going to be sitting on his numbers and you need to know it before he does pretty much impossible. Good luck. Yeah. Well, I mean, you look, sorry that we keep talking about LSU. But if you look at Derek Stingley, right. Like yeah. he had a decent college career, but like all in all, it's not what people were expecting. Right. And he was still like a number three draft pick. Like he's like a top five draft pick. Yeah. He was uh, like, Number one overall recruit out of Baton Rouge uh, yeah. high school and went to LSU three years there was, as you had said, really fine. solid, had a solid freshman season. Um, sophomore season was kind of weird yeah, with the, COVID and the like third year else. was injury mark. And there was like injuries and stuff. Um, but he's like still time to my pick because like he's really heady and like, and so like, yeah, and that's what we're talking about. Like, we're talking about a guy who had like as, successful as he was his success was limited like you know and so it's just it's just like a really it's an interesting time especially at the college level for that position yeah especially at the college level i I don't know how these guys do it but anything else i didn't ask you about in in louisville particular regarding the team you 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 feel like i should have no i think that i think they have a really good chance to be pretty good this year Uh, i'd say the cap for this team is probably like eight to nine wins. I think nine wins would be like a miracle season, probably. Not to be like rude, but just like <laughs> there's a lot of talent in the SEC. Um, I mean, they're having to play like at Clemson, at Kentucky is now a tough game. Like, you know what I, mean? like, uh, I think otherwise the, the schedule kind of plays out favorably. Um, I, you know, it's it's just going to be interesting to see how it all kind of plays out. I think that um, Florida State is going to be kind of like. Uh, a tone setter as you mentioned it will be that for florida state it's gonna be that same kind of game for louisville because after that they go on you know they got south florida then they go on the road for boston college virginia pittsburgh wake forest james Madison. these are all winnable games if they win florida state if they beat florida state that's a really good start to that to that line of games yeah. um before you finally get the clemson and then things might you know fall off but if you're if you're you know six and two going into clemson like that's a pretty good place to be um, and you can, you know, pull off a really good season from there. So I think that Florida State's going to be a really big game. I think we're going to learn a lot about both teams in that game. I think game three is always like a really good test to see like exactly spot. where teams are at. So I'm looking forward to the game. I'll probably watch it on a Friday night. So it'll be yeah, fun. it's a poor, poor little drink. I, I think this is actually the maybe it's the week after. I don't know. I think it's between. Courtney and I are going to, um, that's my wife. I don't think I've ever mentioned her name on the podcast. So Courtney uh, and I, we're, hi, we're Courtney. going, hey, hello, we're, uh, we're going to the Auburn Penn state game. Um, so I don't know if that's that weekend. I think it is. Now that I think about it, let me cool. see. I need to go out to a Penn state game. Now that I'm up here in Philly. Oh yeah. There you go. Yeah, it is the, uh, it is that weekend. So we'll be, we'll be in Auburn that Friday. Um, 
hanging around. So yeah, I'm sure I'll, I'll, this will be I'm one, so of, sorry. one of the handfuls I watched. Oh, exactly. Thank you for apologizing. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think it'll be a fun one. Speaking of going out and hanging around, in case anyone's making the trip for a Friday night up in Louisville, uh, restaurants, bars, whatever you got for us, where, where do people need to check out? Yeah, so everyone's going to tell you to go to 4th Street Live. Don't do that. It's the Bourbon Street uh, Louisville. Um, <laughs> just honestly, just kind of stay away from downtown. Uh, not all of downtown, but like downtown in general, it kind of shuts down early. Uh, I'm going to say Toasties is a big spot. It's kind of a little, a little bit off the beaten path, but probably okay. like uh, the best vibes of any restaurant in the city. Uh, cheap food, really good though. Great cocktails. Uh, Nulu is like the really big kind of like popping spot in town. It's adjacent to downtown. It's also right now next to the Angels Envy Distillery, if you want to check that out. Um, there are plenty of distilleries around town. You got Rabbit Hole. Uh, if you want to do something a little weird, Copper and Kings has a, a uh, it's a, uh, a brandy distillery out in Butcher Town. Um, if you're looking for a dive bar, let's see, uh, High Horse, High Horse in Butcher Town also. Um, really great dive bar. And then if you're looking for great beer, I'd suggest Atrium. Um, that one's not too far from campus. So I hope that I've given you a decent number of places. If you'd like to me, for me to elaborate on any of them, I'd be happy to, but uh, I tried to give you a bit of a bit of my knowledge. Now, if anyone if anyone has any questions for you about any of them and wants you to elaborate, you want them to find you on Twitter or something? Yeah, Twitter at by Tyler Nunez. Um, for some reason, I still act like I'm a reporter on there sometimes. <laughs> and apparently on this podcast. Um, yeah, you can hit me up there. Um, I'm usually pretty responsive, um, and I'd be more than happy to give you a complete rundown of all the eats and drinks. It's a great food city, actually. I was, when I moved there, I was really nervous. I was like, oh, no, I'm moving from South Louisiana. What am I going to eat? Um, but I was not disappointed with the options that I had in Louisville, and uh, we really enjoyed our time there, in large part because of the food and drink scene. Well, there you go. I'll, I'll take that all day. Yeah, moving out of South Louisiana, wor- I worried about the food. It's something I feel here even three years after. I feel like this... <laughs> The further that what I've always said is the further south you go in Florida, the the, the further north you really go in this oh, country. No. Yeah. So everything. Well, we went we went somewhere the other day, and I was like, yes, it's just salt and pepper. If you could just bring whatever you got, hot oh, sauce, no. just bring it all. I'll I'll figure it out. Yeah. But we're getting there. Phil, we're getting. Philly is a pretty good food city too. I'm having a lot of fun here. Like, you know, but this is like a large city. It's like a big cultural hub. So yeah, you cheat a little bit. It's a little bit different. <laughs> Well, thank, when that, well, Tyler, thanks for jumping on with us. And, and well, me, I guess it's not really us, but mm-hmm. I'd like to think the listeners listening along with us, which means Malik and Scott Satterfield, who are sitting here very clearly taking notes on the pressures that I've put on them this season. Uh, thanks for just, thanks for, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I hope I was able to impart a little bit of knowledge here. Uh, obviously uh, I'm not actively covering or working for the university of Louisville anymore, but I always talk about, love talking about my cards, spells up. Um, and uh, thanks for having me. And also no. always great talking to you, buddy. Yeah, while, of course. So we'll, uh, we'll have to jump up is always a pleasure. We'll have to jump on a zoom and, and watch SummerSlam or something together at some point. Yeah, absolutely. Since we'll get uh, Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar around 16. So if yeah, anyone is interested so. in that, we'll have to send the invite around. <laughs> Live <laughs> podcast. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. AEW. Good endure. Let's go. I, I yeah well yeah let's save that one for when we jump off the pod but yeah so this <laughs> this game's still weeks away I mean like I said it's it's uh September 16th I think is that Friday that's that Friday night game at seven so I mean we still got plenty of time for both teams probably to change at least a little bit um, but we'll have another schedule preview for you next week I think that one's going to be coming from Max uh, probably on UM so stay tuned for that but for now that's a wrap guys.